Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Summer Podcast. This is the first Patreon episode, and today I will be discussing the Clear Lake murders. For this case, I watched an episode of Snapped, Season 10, Episode 5, Forensic Files, Season 14, Episode 12, titled Social Circle, and Eleanor Neal covered it on YouTube. I also used Wikipedia, Medium.com, ABC News, and New York Post. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in the show notes. This case does unfortunately discuss the murderers more than it does about the four victims who have lost their lives, but I will do my best to talk about the victims as much as I can. Christine Marie Paolilla was born on March 31st, 1986 in Long Island, New York. She didn't have an easy life, but when she was two years old, her father Charles died in a construction accident. He was hit with fallen bricks. Christine's mom Lori couldn't cope with losing her husband, so she turned to drugs. She was so addicted that Christine and her brother had to go live with their grandparents. When Christine was five, her hair started to fall out. She was diagnosed with alopecia. She did not only lose her hair, but her eyebrows and eyelashes too. She also had bad eyesight and had to wear chunky glasses. Christine was devastated and lost all the self-esteem that she had left. In elementary and middle school, she was made fun of. Kids would point and laugh at her and pull off her wigs because kids are dicks. Christine's mom eventually got over drug addiction and she got remarried. Christine and her brother returned to living with them and they moved to Clear Lake, Texas, a suburb of Houston. Christine was now 17 and about to start school at Clear Lake High School. After her first day, she returned home. Her mother noticed the changes in her. Christine was happy and she told her that she had met some new friends. Her friends were Tiffany Rowell and Rachel Claridius. Tiffany and Rachel were a year older than Christine. Rachel was known for being very kind and artistic. Tiffany was an actress and was in all the school plays. However, she wanted to be a social worker. The girls took Christine under their wings. They taught her how to do her makeup and even bought her wigs. Christine was transformed and was even voted Miss Irresistible by her classmates. Christine was happy with how her life was turning out. That was until she met Chris Snyder. Chris was 21 years old. No one in Christine's life approved of Chris. He was a criminal and into heavy drugs. Christine was upset that her friends didn't approve of her boyfriend. He started to isolate her. Her world revolved around Chris. Christine was very jealous of any attention Chris gave to anyone other than herself. She slept on the lawn of Chris's house once and threatened to kill his family if he ever made her leave. I even read of an incident where she licked his face. Chris's family referred to her as Psycho. Christine and Chris stayed together. They did more drugs until one day they ran out. It was Christine's idea to go and rob her friends. On July 18th, 2003, Tiffany and Rachel were hanging out with Tiffany's boyfriend, Marcus Priscilla, and Marcus's cousin, Eldelbert Sanchez, who had just moved to the area. The four were watching movies and eating pizza. Their plan was to host a party later that evening. Tiffany lived in the home alone. Her father had moved out and in with his new wife. Rachel's dad, George, would later say that he had no idea Tiffany lived alone and only found out after the murders. Around 3 p.m., one of Tiffany's friends called her. She was in the bathroom and Marcus answered. Marcus said that Tiffany would call her back. The friend never received a call back, so she and a few other friends went to Tiffany's around 6.30 p.m. What they found, they will probably never be able to get out of their minds. All four were found dead in Tiffany's living room. Tiffany and Marcus were found in a recliner chairs and still had their feet up. Adelbert was found on the floor and Rachel was found behind the couch. They had each been shot multiple times. Rachel was the only one who didn't die instantly. There was blood trail from where she crawled to get to to try to get to her phone. 
Rachel had dialed 9-1 before Christine found her and hit her in the head with the end of the gun. Rachel's cause of death was actually blunt force trauma. Tiffany and Rachel had been shot in the lower region of their bodies. It suggested that if a man had done it, it was because they had wronged him. If a female had done it, it suggested jealousy. The police knew it was personal. 24 bullets had been fired. 17 of those 24 hit the intended targets. Despite it being a massacre, there was no evidence left, found left behind by Chris or Christine. The two then fled in Chris's car, cleaned up, and Chris then drove Christine to her job at the Walgreens makeup counter. The only, police, the only thing police had to go on that it, was that it was personal. They did discover that both Marcus and Adelbert had connections to selling drugs. Marcus had sold drugs and Adelbert's family had connections to the Mexican mafia. However, both theories were eventually ruled out, but the police did know that drugs were probably related to the crime. The police did speak to Tiffany's neighbors. They said that one, that one day, that the day of the murders, they saw two people dressed in black and a man, a man and a woman. Lois Gibson, a forensic artist, created the composite sketches. The neighbor remembered that the woman wore a bandana over her hair and had abnormally large eyes. It didn't lead to any arrests, but George, Rachel's dad, never gave up. He spent the next few years raising money to be able to put the sketches on billboards all over the town. They paid off. On July 8, 2006, an anonymous tip came into Crime Stoppers. The man said he knew who committed the Clear Lake murders. He said the woman in the composite sketch looked like a woman he met in rehab. Just for reference, I don't think the sketch looks anything like Christine, but that's beside the point. The man was named Justin Rock. He was a heroin addict and the new husband of Christine Paolola. Okay, so one small error in some of the research. I had read and watched many episodes about this case and always believed Justin was the one who called in the tip to Crime Stoppers. He wasn't. Christine had confessed to another man in rehab, as well as Justin. Christine and Chris dated for another year after the murders, but they broke up in 2004, after Chris was arrested for car theft. Christine then went to rehab for her drug addiction and met Justin. She also came into about $360,000 from her dad's death when she turned 18. According to Justin, Christine asked him one day if the composite sketch looked like her. Christine and Justin were found in San Antonio, Texas in a motel room. The motel was described as being one of the worst they've ever, the police had ever seen. The hotel room was a bloody, smelly mess. There were about 100 needles from the couple doing drugs. There was moldy food and dirty laundry. Christine and Justin were using drugs every day. They spent about $1,000 on drugs, and they lived off of Cheez-Its and soda. Christine and Justin were brought in for questioning. Christine, at this point, was described as looking like an alien. She was pale, her hair was falling out, and she had no eyebrows. She was suffering from extreme drug withdrawal. Christine denied being involved in killing her friends, but Justin said Christine had confessed to him. She was so afraid of being caught that they didn't leave the hotel room for eight months. The police believed Christine was lying. She acted as if she was suffering from withdrawal, and she probably was. She would be curled up in her chair when the police were in the room, but as soon as they left, she got out of her chair and looked out the windows. The police also put out a warrant for Chris Snyder's arrest, but his parents tipped him off. He had moved to Greenville, South Carolina with the woman he met online. The police eventually caught up to Chris, but it was too late. He was found dead on August 5, 2006. He had, been, he had committed suicide by overdosing on prescription medication. His body was badly decomposed by the time he was found. The police did search Chris's room and found two guns. 
One of the guns had Rachel's DNA on it, even still after three years. Christine blamed everything on Chris. She said she was there, but said, quote, I stayed behind him like the whole time because I felt so bad. I was just so scared. End quote. She said she heard him shoot and that it sounded like bubble wrap. Pop, 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 pop. She said he had put his hand over hers while she held the gun and forced her to shoot it. She said when they got there, Chris demanded drugs and money and pulled out his gun. It was eventually revealed that when they got back into Chris's car, Christine was worried that she didn't kill all four of them. She went back inside and found Rachel dialing 911. She tried to shoot her again, but the gun jammed. She then beat her until she died. Rachel's last words to Christine were, quote, why are you doing this, end quote. On July 21st, 2006, Christine was arrested and charged with four counts of murder. She was found guilty on October 13th, 2008. She was spared the death penalty due to her age at the time of the murders. She was sentenced to four counts of capital murder. She will be eligible for parole in 2046 when she's 60 years old. The story was mostly about Christine Palalilla's life, but let's remember that four people lost their lives that day. The four victims were Rachel Cluridius, Tiffany Rowell, Marcus Priscilla, and Adelbert Sanchez. They were killed because two drug addicts couldn't live without drugs. They thought their need was more important than the lives of four people between the ages of 18 and 22. Marcus and Adelbert were blamed for this for a while until they discovered the real motive of the crime. Christine deserves to be in prison as long as possible, and Chris took the easy way out. Christine suffered from years of bullying, but she killed her two friends that were the, some of the only people who had ever been kind to her. It's a heartbreaking case and will always be remembered because of how brutal it was.